2: Good evening and welcome to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I would like to wish you a blessed Christmas season. We are just delighted to have you join us as we remember not only the reason for the season, but celebrate all the wonderful things we have to be thankful for this Christmas. And part of that is just the abundance of guests that the good Lord has brought us over the years. And that's especially true today. And Larry, who do we have on our line as our first guest?
3: Seamus Bruner is Director of Research at the Government Accountability Institute and the author of an amazing new book titled Contrullagarchs, Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, and the Globalist Plot to Dominate Your Life. Welcome to the program, Seamus. Hey, Larry, Wendy,
4: it's great to be with you guys. (laughs)
2: Famous. it's interesting to hear about a billionaire class. I mean, I know what a middle class is, <laughs> <laughs> we, we we don't often hear this terminology. And I know part of what you do uh, as part of the Government Accountability Project is, you know, following the money. We do that in the law. We do that in our personal lives. And how in the world are you able to do that? Uh, I guess, globally, given all the different places you can move money around. I would love to know how that's actually possible.
4: Yeah, sure thing. So uh, I work with, as you mentioned, uh, Peter Schweitzer at the Government Accountability Institute, and we uh, we follow the money. That's our motto. So we exposed the uh, pay-to-play at the Clinton Foundation for the book Clinton Cash. We followed the money to expose the Biden pay-to-play Schemes with Burisma in Ukraine and the, the Chinese uh, energy companies and the Bank of China deals—we broke that first in 2018. It's you know the wheels of justice turn slowly, um, but usually we're we're looking into the political class, where the uh, Government Accountability Institute. But during the pandemic, I think we all felt it. We all got this feeling that there was uh, an elite class above the politicians. And uh, so we followed, it, we followed the money to the top to the globalist elites, the big donor class. George Soros, of course, is a big political funder, uh, probably the largest political funder on either side. But then you had these guys operating behind the scenes that have kind of lurked in the shadows for so long, and they moved on to center stage during the pandemic. Certainly Bill Gates and uh, you know, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab uh... the rockefeller foundation and all of these shadowy groups that spend billions and billions trying to control your life and so the way i define a control i coined the term for the book it was a little uh... it wasn't certain whether that that term would fly but people seem to like it uh, and the way i define a control is the billionaires and bureaucrats plotting and scheming to dominate every aspect of our lives and their number one goal, what makes them different than other billionaires, there's only about 30 in this book. It's not some anti-capitalist screed or anything like that. There's only 30 uh, oligarchs in this book. And their number one goal is to take away power from individuals, people like you and me and the listeners of this show, and take away power from individual countries like the United States and transfer that power to international organizations Controlled by them, that would be organizations like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization and the United Nations etc so that's that 's really uh, the, the the gist of what this book is about, and we can get into some specifics
3: yeah that 's interesting. Uh... When this book, when I first heard about it, I knew I had to try to get you on as a guest because I've been thinking this for so long, and then here you are, you come out with a book on the very things I've been thinking, the behind-the-scenes people that are not so behind-the-scenes anymore. And uh this next question, uh, Seamus, feel free to answer or not, but um do you think Obama is somehow connected to this effort to control all of us and to diminish, if not eliminate, the power and influence of the United States?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the chapter 8 is all about uh, mainstream mind control. That's the t- title of that chapter, and it opens with this scene of Barack Obama at Stanford University, and he's it's uh I believe it's around 2019 where he's announcing a new in, uh, new initiative of the Obama Foundation. You know, what does the, the Obama Foundation even do, right? Well, the Obama Foundation works on and it's the first presidential foundation to pass a billion dollars in donations uh... so quickly um, and so what the obama foundation has made one of their number one goals is the elimination of so-called disinformation and so that chapter is really all about the information control how they keep a tight lock on information and they're doing this by creating vague intentionally uh... intentionally vague terms you can't define it things like hate speech and disinformation and they are pouring billions of dollars into setting up things like NewsGuard and other fake fact-checking websites that, I mean, a lot of people listening to this show right now might have been put in the penalty box or might have been censored or all all altogether wiped out, uh, taken off of their social media platforms for spreading something called disinformation. Nobody had ever heard of disinformation just a few years ago. And now just for telling the truth, you can be to- like, totally canceled, and they want to take it a lot further than just taking out your social media accounts. They want to be able to penalize you, possibly even throw you in jail.
2: You know, many people listening to this can't even believe that we've come to this point. And I I suppose the only silver lining is that there's sort of a a bipartisan sting that's being experienced by people across the ideological spectrum uh, who are being canceled when they thought, oh, it's only, you know, people that believe this that are canceled. It seems like it's really spreading, which may be one way to reverse it. But speaking of. Uh, spreading, you know, the COVID uh, pandemic uh, really played into the hands of a lot of our leaders, and that's just not in the US, but around the world. I wonder how you think it played into the hand of the billionaire, as you say, control oligarchs, <laughs> to allow them a greater expanse of control than ever before.
4: Yeah, no, exactly. The pandemic was huge for them. All crises are opportunities. For, uh, for these elite uh, members who want to take power away from you, take power away from the United States and transfer it to international groups they control. And, and to your point about, uh, you know, this is a bipartisan issue, this book, um, and I tell people all the time, and I'm getting great feedback from across the political spectrum Uh, It it appeals to, you know, it's not political issues. These aren't political issues. These are existential issues. And so what the pandemic did, I mean, for the first time ever, we crunched the numbers and we found that the most powerful people in the world, people like Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, they each added tens of billions of dollars to their personal net worth since the pandemic began. In some cases, uh, people like Mark Zuckerberg almost doubled their net worth. He was around $60 billion, $67 billion. Uh, He's up now around $120 billion. And so that may not surprise the savvy listeners of your show, Wendy, but what really blew me away, I mean, a lot of people have heard that the rich got richer during the pandemic while our businesses were crushed and our kids got dumber, they were lining their pockets. You know, a lot of people know that. But what really blew me away is how they leverage the pandemic opportunity, their words, they call the pandemic an opportunity, which is sort of insidious in its own way, to not only get rich, but to seize control over key industries that dominate our lives, the energy sector, the food sector. Of course, we, do, we already talked about the information sector, but I could give you some specifics if you'd like on energy and food and all of that.
3: Yeah, Seamus, I was, that was going to be my next question. Why are these billionaires? trying to take over the food sector. Is that part of their control mechanism? Sounds like it is.
4: Oh, It absolutely is. I mean, controlling the food supply is a very effective way to uh, control the people. Um, and so Bill Gates, a lot of people have heard how he's buying up all this farmland, and the people think to themselves, well, what on earth does a software guy uh, know about farming? Well, it turns out that Bill Gates has <laughs> this strategy. <laughs> I know, and he's, a, he's yeah. a doctor, he's a teacher, and he, now he's a farmer. Well, it turned out I uncovered this strategy that Microsoft used in the 90s that got it into trouble with the Justice Department, the Antitrust Division. It was called Embrace, Extend, Extinguish, and the and Microsoft executives would talk. I mean, this came out as part of that trial, uh, talking about, quote, cut off the air supply, end quote, to our competitors. And so how Embrace, Extend, Extinguish works is like this. And well, I'll tell you about how he does it with the farming. First, he enters a, an industry, just, just like he entered the software and the browser industry, the internet browser industry. That's the Embrace phase. He embraces all the standards and acts like, oh, nothing to see here. I'm just a, a, a farmer uh, buying up a lot of land. And then he extends his reach. He buys more and more farmland. He buys, uh, starts investing in the protein they 're making alternative proteins if you hadn 't heard about that fake meats beyond beyond meats, impossible foods, all these lab grown really suspicious type meats um, he buys into all of those he 's also buying uh, into new fertilizers, genetically modified type. Fertilizer I mean it's, it's complicated stuff, but I cover it all in the book uh, you know various types of new fertilizers and so for the extinguish phase what Microsoft did is they they lobbied for and they pushed for changes to uh, various internet standards I mean it's complicated stuff but you know so on a competitor browser you wouldn't be able to watch the same videos and it would you know you'd have to get the Microsoft browser same thing with the food industry now he's lobbying for regulations and restrictions on certain types of meats. I mean, when they talk about banning cattle, when Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez starts talking about cow flatulence, she didn't just think that up. That comes from like a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation white paper about how bad cows are. And they want to ban all kinds of other stuff. And so just go ask any farmer, uh, you know, if, if their business is getting uh, harder or easier to maintain. And a lot of farmers are going out of business.
2: Yeah, you know, thank you so much for all the information. We're at the, the end of the show, but the book is Controlled Exposing the Billionaire Class, Their Secret Deals, and the Globalist Class to Dominate Your Life. You know, I have to say, you know, Bill Gates is a farmer and Hunter Biden is an artist. You know, everybody's got a side hustle. <laughs> I want yeah, yeah, right.
4: to know if Bill Gates actually
2: eats those. Yeah, right. I want to know if Bill Gates actually eats those alternative sources of protein. But we'll save that for another week. Uh, To our listeners, don't touch that dial. We are coming back for a second half of Today with Dr. Wendy. You are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy on KCBQ, and thank you to our guest.
1: News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.
5: Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org. It's time for more news
1: you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
2: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, and we have a terrific second half of the
3: show for you. Larry, who do we have on the line? Shao Mangowadi is an Indian scholar, philosopher, thinker, and Christian. His background in Indian culture, experiencing the influences. of of Hinduism, Buddhism, and Islam, and biblically informed Christianity caused him to analyze civil, social, and political, and spiritual matters from a number of clarifying perspectives. He's written a number of books, but is probably best known for his book titled the book that made your world, how the Bible created the soul of Western civilization that we'll be focusing on tonight. So whether you're an avid student of the Bible or a skeptic of its relevance, the book that made your world will transform your perception of its influence on virtually every facet of Western civilization. Welcome to the show, Vishal.
6: Thank you, thank you, I'm on it.
2: Uh, Vishal, before we get started on the main topic, I understand you were born in India, where the predominant religion is Hinduism. And given that background, we were wondering what inspired you to write a book about the critical importance of the Bible to the development of Western civilization.
6: Uh, Two things. One was an intellectual journey. Uh, I was studying philosophy in Allahabad University in North India. And uh, I was finishing my course, I began to realize that uh, none of my professors believed any of the scriptures, uh, the Bible. Um, so uh, I realized that I have to, I cannot follow my pastors because my professors are more learned. Um, qu- questioning the Bible was easy. How do we know the truth? This this became a uh, problem. And uh, I realized over time that one cannot know the truth Uh, Human mind cannot know the truth unless there is someone who knows the truth and reveals it to us. So this concept of revelation that I cannot know what my date of birth is, who my father is, who my mother is, unless someone reveals it to me. Uh, This was the intellectual uh, ferment which went on after uh, months. I came to see that the Bible is, in fact, God's word. Long journey. But the second was a practical experience. I, my wife and I were serving the poor in Central India, and uh, particularly organizing relief for victims of hailstorm. And the district magistrate banned our relief effort. And then the so we decided to invite the peasants to come and pray uh, for relief. And then the the superintendent of police told me that he would personally kill me if I didn't uh, cancel the prayer meeting. In the end, the media was supporting me, so they didn't kill me, they threw me in jail. And that's where the questions came up, that how do you build a society where there is relative justice and fairness, that there is freedom to pray, there is freedom to organize relief, the victims so uh that led me to study how modern india was created and uh, uh, there was another incident of a widow being 18 year old widow who was burnt alive and i began a national campaign against revival of widow burning because the british had banned that in 1829 uh, so how was modern india created and that led to three different books uh, that uh, I published, and then uh, came the question of how do you actually build just and free and uh, societies, and that led to the inquiry of how was the modern West built, what is the secret of the success of the West, and that led to a deep study of the Bible's impact in creating the modern world. So I have two books on the subject and four or five books now on India.
3: That's so interesting. Vishal, what was it that triggered the West's passion for science, uh, medicine, and technology advancement? Did the Bible have something to do with that?
6: Absolutely. Um, What we were told in, in the university was that the first book on science was written by Aristotle. It's called Physics, which is a collection of his writings and teachings, But then I also discovered that no scientist believes a single word or sentence of Aristotle's physics. And atheists such as Burton Russell said that uh, Aristotle's physics is not science, it is philosophy. So, how was science born? And as I began to study the history of science, I came to realize that the single most important factor was. A critique of Aristotle, uh, which and uh, which developed in Europe. So there were many steps, but modern science developed in the 16th, 17th centuries. And one Australian sociologist, Peter Harrison, uh, he has written a number of books. One of his important books is uh, called uh, the. Uh, it's a study of uh, Protestantism, the Bible, and the rise of natural science, and he uh, present. He's not a Christian, but he presents the case that the modern science was born in the inductive method of studying the Bible, which developed in uh, during the Reformation, uh, as the, the debate was who has the final authority: the Pope or the Scriptures. If scriptures are the final authority for knowing what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false, then what exactly do the scriptures teach? And you have to study the scriptures inductively, being objective and fair, as close as you can get to the intended meaning of the original author. And so this inductive method, uh, hermeneutics that developed in study of the Bible That began to be applied to the Bible because uh, it was already believed that God has written two books, the book of his words, which is the scriptures, and the book of his works, which is nature, including human nature, and the same hermeneutic of uh, being uh, objective and fair, making sense of all the data that is there in the Bible, looking at all the data which is there in nature, received through observation, uh, that was the single most important sociological background of the birth of modern science, because uh, the Bible itself has had said, say Psalm 111, verse 2, the great majestic are the works of the Lord, those who delight in them, study them, ponder over them. So a believer does not simply study the word of God, he also studies the works of God. That's what Jesus says when the Sadducees asked him that here is this woman, she was married to seven brothers, all of them died, whose wife will she be in resurrection? They didn't believe in resurrection. But Jesus says that you are in error because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. So Wonderful you
2: know, optimism. with all of this background, I wonder, in, as a more practical uh, reality, how did the Bible influence our founding fathers and our founding documents, such as the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution? You are just a scholar of, of the Bible, and I can tell just by the way you speak and the and the references you make theologically. As a more practical fashion, how did uh, what kind of an impact did the Bible have on just sort of the, the beginnings of our country in that fashion?
6: Well, the Bible was the the reason for the Declaration of Independence. Um, and let's, when Jefferson first drafted the Declaration of Independence, he said, he wrote, that we hold these truths to be sacred, that all men are created equal and are endowed by their Creator, with any unalienable rights. Now, by the phrase, we hold these truths to be sacred, he meant derived from sacred scriptures. Uh, it was Benjamin Franklin who put pressure uh, to change the language that we hold these truths to be self evident, which they were not. It was not self evident to average American that slaves and slave owners are equal. It was not self-evident to average american that male and female are equal uh, a civil war had to be fought 100 years later to end slavery and another hundred years later uh, the uh, civil rights movement had to begin to end discrimination so uh, human equality was not self-evident in america and human equality has never been self-evident in india inequality is self-evident but the language was changed to imply that the knowledge of truths such as human equality, human dignity, human rights, these come to to us through common sense. That was uh, Thomas Paine was the new kid on the block. People like Jefferson, particularly Benjamin Benjamin Franklin himself, they were disciples of George Whitfield. George Whitfield died in 1770. He was the great preacher of the First Great Awakening, he was the one who taught America that all men are created equal, because he was the first white preacher who began to preach to the blacks. And many of the white Christians who were supported uh, uh, George Whitfield they were upset at him that if you're baptizing these slaves, uh, does it mean that in the church we have to sit with our slaves on the same pew? and drink from the same cup. We
2: are going to have to Uh, leave it there. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We're at the very, very end of the show, but it has been just a pleasure having you and learning from your wisdom. So thank you so much for joining.
6: Thank you. All right, you You
2: are listening to Today with Dr. Wendy. We want to wish each of you a blessed Christmas season and we will look forward to uh, spending some time with you next Saturday night, same time, 6 p.m. And in the meantime, Merry Christmas to each of you.
5: Since 1991, the nonprofit National Law Center for Children and Families has been fighting to protect children from sexual exploitation. The National Law Center offers the latest investigative training techniques to police, probation officers, and prosecutors on fighting sexual predators and human traffickers. The NLC also offers human trafficking awareness training to members of the public. Schedule a training for your church or organization today by visiting nationallawcenter.org. That's nationallawcenter.org